0: Early Risers is supported by Health Partners and Park Nicollet. From rashes, fever, shots, and all other things that make you worry a lot, Health Partners has pediatric care for your kids. Visit healthpartners.com slash schedule.
1: From Little Moments Count and Minnesota Public Radio, this is Early Risers, waking up to racial equity in early childhood. I'm your host, Diane Halsey. This podcast is about how to talk with very young children about race and racism, and how to celebrate cultural differences. This season, we're focusing on the stories of parents across the state of Minnesota, over the last few months I've been talking with people about their parenting journeys and how they're navigating conversations about race and racism with the young children in their lives. When my son questions me about like color and race and differences as a mother, like I question myself. The
0: question that every parent has, right? Am I doing a good job? Right? <laughs> Is this gonna work? Is this working? He's born here, he's American, his mom and dad uh Africans, And that means he has African blood in him. I actually teach my son to tell people, like, people say where you're from. He's going to say he's from Ghana.
1: When I was growing up in the 1970s and 80s, Minnesota was a lot less racially and ethnically diverse than it is today. Minnesota is changing. But in the Fargo-Moorhead area, where my guest Cecilia Amadou lives, the population is still more than 90 percent white. Cecilia and her husband were both born in West Africa. Cecilia is from Ghana and her husband grew up in Benin. They decided to plant roots in northwestern Minnesota where they're now raising their young son. I was curious about Cecilia's experience as a black parent with roots in Africa and what it's been like to raise her child in a majority white community. So I'd just like to start off by getting a little information about you. So you have one son, I understand. Yes. And tell us how old he is. And Rick is four. And tell us a little bit about your family.
0: Um, I grew up in Ghana um, until about 10. And my husband, until he was about 19, in um, Benin. Mm-hmm. And we actually met here uh, to a mutual friend while we went. I was in grad school and he was finishing up his um, biology degree. And um, we've been together for about 10 years now and mm-hmm. married for five. And Emrick is um, the outcome of our love. <laughs> we're so blessed to have him.
1: Beautiful. So on this show, we we talk to people about is how did you first learn about grace? And so can you talk to us a little bit about how you like when you're maybe your parents or maybe an, another adult when you were coming up? first talk to you about race or racism?
0: We actually never had the conversation in my house growing up. I just know as a little girl, we live very close to the Roman Catholic Church and um, that comes with a lot of missionaries coming from different countries. So I did see a lot of white people a lot, um, Mm -hmm. but nobody ever sat down and talked about the differences between the, the skin color and we just knew it was different and I guess in our culture, different was good. And if that was celebrated, it was until I think my parents tried to buy a house in Plainfield, Illinois. That was my first encounter at maybe I want to say 15, maybe 16 in high school. We we're going to move into this neighborhood and my dad wanted to buy a house in so that we can have good education. Uh, we just had a lot of issues in being able to uh, move into this neighborhood. At that time, going to Target and Walk to the store and just recognizing that people look at us like they're scared of us. Um, I think that was when it was, it became apparent that, oh, we're different in a bad way. Mm. And so fast forward, go on off to college and have an experience of going into a store and being followed around or just not being welcome to come to certain spaces because of my oh. skin color. And that's when I started looking into a lot more what does this mean for me?
1: Yeah. So um, so now you're raising your son, who's four. You're raising him in um, northern Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a lot different than Ghana. And so have you and your husband talked to your son at all about race yet?
0: I'm more the one that sorts out when it comes to developmental stuff mm-hmm. with our family. And then I bring it to my husband. Um, and so... I, I look at different ways, what's the appropriate way to um introduce that conversation to him? And so we talk about his skin shade and daddy's chocolate and you know, he's toasted almond and you know, um whatever he calls me. <laughs> we're still working through it. We're not sure what category I fit in yet, but I want him to come to that conclusion. So we're working through that really just talk about how beautiful his skin is mm. and how nice and curly his hair is and yeah. and, and just having some of those discussions at home and letting him know um, where his identity lies. And yeah. um, as, a, as a Christian home, we really talk a lot about, you know, his identity relies in God and whoever God sees him as, that's what God has made him. So that's kind of like the context that we talk about race for his age. <laughs> yeah,
1: So yeah. he mm-hmm. he's four years old. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the questions that he might be asking, if if at anything yet, about race?
0: He, of course, realized that he has different skin color as other kids, especially being the only um, darker skin at his school. Mm. Um, most of his classmates are white. So it, it's easy to see. And um, one day he came home and said, I have, you know, brown skin and it's beautiful. And his teacher had said that to him. So I was kind of like, that's nice, but I kind of wish I did that first. Um, I wanted him to hear that from me first, but the fact that it wasn't a negative thing, uh, we celebrate that and I um, appreciate that he has people that are um, saying that to him at school. It's very good. Yeah. Um, Actually this morning I asked him, I was giving him options about what he wanted to do for this fall. And I said, do you want to play tennis or do you want to play soccer game? And he said, I want to play tennis, but I want to play with tennis with kids that look like me. Ah, okay. And that actually stuck me in my track. And I was like, oh, wh- why do you want that? I don't know where that came from. I don't understand. So
1: basically he was saying he he wanted to play t- tennis with other kids that were Black.
0: hmm hmm That was exactly what he said this morning.
1: Did you ask him why?
0: I said, why? He said, I just do. And I said, OK, um, mommy will have to do some research <laughs> that I might have to recruit some families and pay for their kids <laughs> to play tennis with you. But uh, that's been kind of all morning of every minute I get, it kind of crosses my mind. Of, OK, how can I actually make, I don't want him to think it's impossible. So, like, obviously, I'm now in the research mode. Of OK, how does that look like I need to get my friends? But what
1: went through <laughs> your mind when he's when he said that?
0: I was happy. You were happy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously I wasn't expecting that at seven o'clock in the morning. I was just expecting him to say, uh, play tennis or soccer, but he emphasized on who he wanted to play tennis with. And I celebrate that he doesn't look at kids that look like him as a bad thing. You know, thinking about my experience. um, I think if I was a four-year-old in Ghana, I probably think it would be cool to play tennis with the white kids because Mm. I was celebrated.
1: And so, yeah,
0: it was it was good to hear that.
1: Yeah. So do you being um, that you and your um, husband are are both coming from another country? Do you ever have conversations with your son about that, about his uh, roots that are in Africa? And what are some of those conversations like?
0: He's born here. He's American. His mom and dad are Africans, and that means he has African blood in him. I actually teach my son to tell people like people say where you're from. He's going to say he's from Ghana. <laughs> I <laughs> daddy still has work to do. Daddy needs to convince him how to understand that he's also half Benin. So you, you,
1: you have claimed that. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's funny. a funny thing that comes up um, when he says that daddy always says, and Benin. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he says, I'm Danny And actually we were close the other day. and He saw some older African ladies checking us out and he actually can tell who's African Mm. because I point them out when I'm out. And so he said, mommy, are they African? And I say, yes. Oh, that's interesting. How does he tell? I think the accent, he can Ah. tell that they they speak English differently or they they look a certain way or address a certain way. And so with this case, at course, they um, had to take an accent from South Sudan. And he said, oh, my mommy is from Ghana and I'm, I'm Ghanaian. And the lady just, we just made her day. She was just like, oh, she praised me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it made me feel like I was doing something right as a mom. Hearing that from an older um, lady. So, yes,
1: that is actually quite um, phenomenal that four he's actually already recognizing and being able to distinguish yeah. um, what country people are from. I mean, that's, that's beautiful, actually. And um, one of the things I like to do on the show is kind of, um, do some myth busting, and one of the myths out there is that children are color blind, and that is simply not true. Children mm-hmm. are seeing color and in your um example you're you're teaching your son he 's actually um, not only seeing color he's actually able to recognize different accents uh, different countries where people are coming from, and so he 's got a rich palette of information that he 's pulling from, and so that's mm-hmm. really really beautiful. In this episode, I'm speaking with Cecilia Amadou, who lives in the Fargo-Moorhead area of northwestern Minnesota. Cecilia and her husband, both originally from West Africa, decided to raise their young son in a community that is more than 90% white. Cecilia shares her experience as a Black parent with roots in Africa and what it's like raising a Black child in a predominantly white community. She is talking about how she navigates conversations about race with her son as he grows older. Let's get back to this important conversation. So when you think about what might be your biggest question as you and your husband are raising your son, like a, around race, because we know we you you open up this conversation. It's a lifelong conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your biggest question?
0: that one day I'm going to look at my son and know that he won't have the fair opportunities and his dreams may be shattered by somebody along the road. Mm. Um, Yeah. It's it's one of the hardest things to take in because obviously when, you know, you had somebody on the podcast I talked about when their kids are in the room and just not being able to behave a certain way because of the skin color. They can't I like the white kids in the playground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me because that's Emric. I want him to be a child. I don't want to take that innocence away from him. Yeah. But his dad, on the other hand, is always like, Emric, move, move out of the way. And I'm constantly be like, no, he needs to be in this space just like everybody else. He needs right. to be respectful. He can break things. He can't dominate the space, but he can share the space with whoever. It's in that space; he doesn't have to move away for anybody else. But my my husband is very—I um, say this in a good way—very African in, in the sense um, the the our cultures. We are taught at a very young age to respect anybody that's older than us, mm-hmm. celebrate anything that's different from us. I think my husband moves that into now raising his son and how his parents raise him to, you know, be cognizant, but also especially when it's a white, when a white space, you move out of the way and you almost don't belong in the way. And he fights me sometimes. He thinks I'm always thinking about this and always making a big deal out of it. But I'm saying, I mean, he has his whole life to worry about that. Yeah. But a four, I don't want him to worry about that. I want him to play.
1: I think that is such a keen observation. And it's actually, I think something that for a lot of parents that or that have children of color, that's a big deal, especially when they're young, you know, and, and they're young because they have lots of energy and all of that. And they want to be all over the place and all kids do that's mm-hmm. developmentally appropriate, but there is something about being safe in our current society there, especially when we have boys, but it's girls too. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it, I think, but it's this, I want my child to be safe. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I know that there's people out there that are not looking at him as the innocent child he is. Mm -hmm. They're seeing something else. They're seeing something to fear. Mm -hmm. And so there's always that battle and that tension around that, you know, when Mm -hmm. when they're young like that. And so I totally get where you're coming from. You want your child to be free to... To be a child, to be a kid Mm -hmm. like any kid Mm -hmm. and explore the world, you know, like have fun and get into a little mischief maybe and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just find out who they are um, Mm -hmm. freely, but also be able to do that in a way that's safe. Yeah. And they don't always have that freedom. And so I totally understand that. And so that is the question for a lot of parents of color is like, at what age do I really step in and start saying, you know, this is your reality because you mm-hmm. don't want to break your child's heart. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. And occasionally we talk about that. Obviously, we want him to be well-behaved um, child in society and contribute and not be destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, And we teach him that in different ways, but not in comparison with other
1: kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, once again, the important thing is, that you all are talking about it and that you're talking about it already with your son who's you know 4 years old you know he's already having conversations with you all and that you all uh, as a couple are talking about how you're going to to do this how you're going to talk to your son about all of that
0: yeah and you know for example we had an encounter situation at school and i obviously when i got the email about this happened and this happened and i'm wondering what happened at home on the weekend I was triggered because, you know, it was like, what do you mean? What happened at home on the weekend? (laughs) Like he's been in your care all day.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. What uh, how did that conversation come about?
0: Um, He there was an incident at school and my son is not a napper from a baby. He's been horrible sleeper. So he doesn't nap well. um, And that's the constant thing. But I think this particular day. He had an extra hard time um, staying put and not being destructive in the classroom. And I think he ripped something down from the wall or something like that. And I get this email about, you know, he was being bad and wondering if there's anything happened at home. And I'm thinking, well, he's been in your care all day. So clearly, if there was something that happened at home, it would be upon dropping him off for school and not midday. I didn't obviously respond to that. Um, I actually called my brother and I was like, hey, you know, this happened. It's my first time. You know, how do I manage this so it's beneficial to Emmerich and, and that he knows that somebody isn't going to come to me with something and I'm just automatically going to react. And that is a balance of listening to what his side of the story was. And actually that was the best thing because when I picked up Emory from school, I didn't pick him up and started screaming at him for his behavior for that day. I picked him up. We drove halfway almost to getting home. And then I said, Hey, Emily, what happened in school? I heard you had a hard day. And he said, I don't want to tell you. And I said, you know, if you don't tell me, then you get in trouble. But if you tell me the truth, then we can work through it. And then he says, oh, you know, I had a hard time my nap and I took the charts down from my side of the court. And I said, was it a poster or was it something that you can put back? And he explained to me, it wasn't a poster, but the emails, the communication that came to the email that it was supposed to. So I'm thinking, if it's a poster on the wall, I don't want him doing that. But if it's something that can be put back, okay, that changes my perspective. And so, you know, we had a conversation about that, you can be distracted when you can't break things in the classroom and you have to respect your teachers. And he said, and I already apologized to Miss Elena about my behavior. And I said, OK, good. So then the next day at school, I had a conversation with the teacher and it really wasn't a big deal. But if I had handled it the same day, I think it would have been a different thing. But just giving it time to talk to my son to hear his side of the story so that he feels heard by his mom and also understand that that behavior is not OK. And then going to the teacher and saying, "Okay, you know, I understand this was a bad thing, and I I do understand that this is a partnership. Um, of you know, when he says school, you have him all day. When I get him, he's tired and ready for bed. Um, so I do understand we we all need to work together, and it was a good conversation. So I do think it's important for your kids to know that they have you and they have your trust but also understanding that you can't just do whatever they want because mommy's going to come to their rescue or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, Cecilia, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, I just have maybe one last question. I know that um, it sounds like the murder of George Floyd was a turning point for many of us. Mm -hmm. And I understand that um, it was also kind of a turning point for you um, Mm -hmm. as you're raising your son. Can you talk a little bit about why that was?
0: Um, I think obviously being a Minnesota resident and, you know, I've heard about all the other murders that had happened throughout the country. But um, I think, you know, there was such evidence of what actually happened in his murder and how he was just going about his day. And I look at my husband and he's the most well-behaved human being, just kind and gentle, yet that won't save him. And then just raising a boy um in Minnesota who you can teach all you can and do all the best you can but that won't save him you know in African community there's always this discussion around being nice when the police pull you over you know just do whatever they say and and George did that so I think even in African community there was a aha uh-huh, so now what does that mean because we're teaching our kids to be respectful what's already but that doesn't really save them. That doesn't mean they will come home every day. And obviously I don't have the solution because I can only pray and hope that, you know, he gets to live his life until God calls him home, both of them. But um, the best we can do is learn them be confident in who they are. Or in my case, Emmerich and my husband, just constantly having conversation around how can we support other people? Or how can What can we do different to make sure that people's stories are valid? And that we don't disregard people's stories of the experiences
1: that they have. Well said. (laughs) Are there any other resources that you use right now with your son? Like any other, any resources that you would recommend um, that help you with this conversation about race and racism with your son?
0: Not in particular. I just go to the local library and make requests of things that I want material or books that are <laughs> age appropriate. And, um, thankfully the local library know who we are. We go in every week and bring our books home and, um, we make sure we pick books that have representation. And if it's not on the shelf, go to your library and ask for it. I think kids enjoy storytelling and, um, make believes and just making up your own scene at home or, or letting your kids understand their identity in the way that you want them to understand um, it's important before somebody else um, tarnished their identity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And of
0: course, this podcast is amazing. Um, I listen to it on my drive. Thank you. <laughs> There's many others that are out there that are good tools that yes. people can tap into.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I just really appreciate you spending your time with me today to, to talk about this. I know sometimes it's not always an easy topic to talk about, but it's meaningful and it is helping people because I know Mm -hmm. your story will be able to help, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. else. So I Mm -hmm. appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me today.
1: Cecilia Amadou's experiences as a Black parent raising her son in a predominantly white community highlights the importance of open and age-appropriate conversations about race and identity. Cecilia's story underscores the need for inclusive and supportive environments, such as the one her son has at school, where children of all races can thrive. As we continue to navigate conversations about race and identity, Cecilia's perspective serves as a valuable reminder of the significance of fostering understanding and celebrating the diversity in our communities as we work towards a more inclusive society for all. Early Rises is hosted by me, Diane Halsey. Our executive producer is Andrea Bork. Our senior producer is Nancy Rosenbaum. Our producer is Twyla Dane. Katie Desell is our social media manager. Kaviesh Kavaraj composed our theme song, I Still Remember. As always, a special thanks to the whole team at Little Moments Count and Minnesota Public Radio. Thank you for listening. You can keep up with us on social media. We're at Podcast Early on Instagram and Facebook. Now is also a good time to go back and listen to our archive of past episodes and check out our discussion guides. Look for links at npr.org backslash early risers. And for more tips and resources on how to talk with young children about race and racism, visit littlemomentscount.org.